This is the Robert J. Morgan Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Robert J. Morgan, and thank you for tuning in. Years ago, I wrote a book called The Red Sea Rules, based upon the story of the Israelites going through the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. And that book has gone all over the world, and total sales are about a million copies. It's been used for Bible study groups everywhere, and I'm so grateful for the response to it. A couple of years ago, we followed it up with a sequel, The Jordan River Rules, based upon the parting of the Jordan River, the story that is told in the first six chapters of the book of Joshua. Now, later this year, we are coming out with the last of this trilogy. It's called The Mediterranean Sea Rules, and this will be a book that I hope you'll watch for and look forward to and maybe use in your own Bible study groups and for gifts and for your own personal edification. It is based on the voyage and the shipwreck of St. Paul the Apostle. In today's broadcast, we're taking you to the platform of World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, where I gave this message and went through the 10 Mediterranean Sea Rules. I hope that you enjoy them, and thank you so much for listening. May God bless you with this material from the book of Acts, the last two chapters, 27 and 28, the Mediterranean Sea Rules. And number three, in the meantime, speak your mind without losing your leverage. Let's go on with verse 9 in our story in Acts 27. Much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was the Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to shipping cargo and to our own lives also. So here you had the prisoner, the Apostle Paul, who was a very experienced mariner, saying, I wouldn't leave the harbor if I were you, men, because you're going to sail right into a typhoon. But it says the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided. Now, when is the majority ever right? The majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. There was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Now, what I want you to see here is the diplomacy of the Apostle Paul. We, as Christians, need to learn the art of diplomacy. In our families, with our husband, our wife, our children, in our community, in our job, to be able to speak truth but to do it in a way so that we don't lose our leverage, there is no indication here the Apostle Paul lost his temper or said, what do you mean this is safe? You guys are as stupid as you can be thinking that this, I mean, he didn't say things like that. He had a diplomacy about him and he said his piece and then he just bided his time because he knew that with time, what he was saying, which was right, would be justified to everybody. And that's the way it's got to be for us. You know, my biggest regrets when I look back over my life are times when I said more than I should have said or said something in the wrong spirit or in the wrong way. I remember many years ago. Now, 
In my defense, I was exhausted and I was tired. But I was at a particular hotel and I was trying to check out and I got it in my mind that the clerk wasn't being honest with the bill and I just lost my temper with that person. And, you know, pounded on. I was that kind of person you don't want to be. And when I turned away from the desk, I saw over across the room a man that I admired very much, and he had been watching me. And I felt such embarrassment over that. I said, Lord, help me not to be like that. But, you know, we've got to be very careful in our marriages because we can overstate things or we can state things too vehemently and do more harm than good. And that's true at work, it's true at school, it's true on the golf course, it's true at church, true everywhere. And the Apostle Paul here didn't do that. He did say very honestly, this is not going to end well, I advise you to harbor in place. And they didn't do it. Later, he's going to say to them, you should have taken my advice. But he just bided his time and allowed the Lord, he trusted the Lord with it, instead of becoming agitated or losing his temper. The book of James says, the wrath of man does not bring about the righteous results that God desires. A person who loses his temper does not bring about the righteous results that God desires. And the diplomacy of the Apostle Paul, we can see it all the way through his life, he could speak the truth plainly, but he knew how to do it diplomatically. He could be at the highest levels of government talking to the governors and to the emperors, and he knew how to do it. And he wouldn't lose his leverage. He would speak his mind without losing his leverage. Now, you know and I know that Christians right now in our culture and our society, we have to be part of the public conversation. We cannot be silent, and I'll tell you the truth, your pastor does that better than anyone I've ever seen. We have to be part of the, because we are right. And I say that only because this book is right. But our position on things is biblical. Our biblical worldview is needed. And so we've got to speak to the public conversations going on today, but we have to speak it diplomatically and lovingly. All of these other people, they're shouting their fool heads off. You turn on any discussion on television, they're screaming at one another. I don't think we should, as a rule, be screaming at one another. We're to be speaking the truth in love, and Paul gives us a very good example of that, and we can all learn that we say what is true, we speak the truth, but we allow God then to work and the hearts and lives of others so that he will bring them to recognize that what we say is in fact right. It says in Proverbs chapter 17 verse 27, the one who has knowledge restrains his words and one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. Now the fourth principle here is, and this is of all of the things I discovered in this passage as I studied it, I've never gotten over this one. 
let divine grace hold you together. So follow me closely with this. Look at verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. He's telling us now this ship sailed into a ferocious, prolonged hurricane. The ship was caught in the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cotta, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Snartus. So they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Now, if you could see this, you know, I, I wish we had time to visualize it or maybe to show you a clip from a movie of a, of a boat, a fishing boat that's caught in a terrible storm. You know, those kinds of, of graphic portrayals just grip us because we can imagine the terror of being on a vessel like that and being helplessly stranded and blown this way and that way and tossed like a cork and hyperthermic and waterlogged and the misery of it all. But that's the condition they were in. And the ship itself was showing signs of breaking apart. It must have been terrifying. The creaks and the breaks and the groans of the wood. And they said the ship is going to be battered apart. It is falling apart in this storm. So they had ropes that they would pass across the bow of the ship and bring it in, and they literally used ropes to tie this ship together. It's called frapping, or it's also called undergirding. Have you ever heard that phrase? The old-time Christians would talk about being undergirded by God, and that's the idea of being having these ropes around you so you don't fall apart. Well, the old King James Version, if you have any of that, if you have that translation with you tonight, it says they used helps, H-E-L-P-S, they used helps to put, uh, to, to keep the ship, it was the, it, it's translated ropes in most translations, but the actual word is helps, they used helps for undergirding the ship, and the Greek word boatha'a means basically to be helped. There is only two times that this word, this Greek word occurs in the New Testament. It is here for these ropes. And the only other time is in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 when it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now that word help us is the same word that is translated cables in Acts 27. In other words, the grace of God, the infinite, powerful, interwoven grace of God wraps itself around us and it is His grace obtained in prayer that keeps us from falling apart in the storm. We are undergirded by him. So we have to, we say, Lord, this is a terrible typhoon. This is a storm. 
This is a tempest, and I think my ship is going down. But Lord, give me sustaining grace. And he sends the cables of his grace, and he wraps them around us so that we don't fall apart in the storm. Isn't that a beautiful biblical analogy? I remember back in 2007, I had multiple problems hitting me all at once. I'll not go into them, but I thought I'm just going to fall apart. But the Lord gave me Psalm 145, 146, 147, 148, 149, and 150. Those final chapters in the book of Psalms full of praise, just full of the glory and the power and the wonder and the beauty of God. And it was those verses held me together. Whenever you feel like you are falling apart, you ask God for sustaining, frapping grace. And the cables of his grace will keep you together. And then the fifth, the final one for tonight, is jettison hindering cargo. Look at verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they grew this, uh, threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Imagine the terror day after day after day, and this storm unrelenting, battering the ship the tremendous swell of the waves, mountains high, and you go up and you plunge down and the ship creaks and groans and breaks and you think it's all falling apart and you know you are waterlogged, you are soaked, you are cold, you are sick, you can't eat anything, and you give up all hope of being saved. And that's the condition they were in. And Luke is the one who said, we gave up all hope of being saved. And apparently he was speaking even for Paul and for Aristarchus, those three Christians on board the ship. Now, it was a rather large ship, a cargo ship, an Egyptian cargo ship, and they would fill the hold with grain from Egypt. And this wheat, this grain, the weight of it would ballast the ship. And then on top of the grain, they would put whatever cargo they had. And then on top of the cargo, they would put the ship's tackling. And so that's the way that the ship operated. But because it was getting so waterlogged and so heavy and so sunken down into the water, they said, we've got a light in the ship. So they threw out the cargo, the precious cargo. We don't know what it was. Could have been gold, it certainly was materials and merchandise and things like that that had enormous value, but not now. I mean, now it could cost their lives, so over the side it went. The sailors and anyone, they would just get those big, you know, bolts of oriental carpet or whatever it was and throw it right over the side, never to be seen again. And then they threw the ship's tackle over the side. And later, they're going to throw their grain over the side. They just jettison all that is unnecessary in life. And Hebrews chapter 12 says, 
Let us put everything out of our lives that keeps us from doing what we should. Let's keep running the race that God has planned for us. Here, the figure of speech is a little bit differently. It's a runner. But the runner says, I can't make a lot of progress with this heavy robe on. I can't make a lot of progress with this turban on. I can't make a lot of progress with this belt on and this long. And so you begin to discard clothing so that you can run the race with endurance and win the prize. Too many of us, and I'm speaking, I say us, have too much stuff, too many distractions, too much on our schedules, and too many bad habits to be as effective as we need to be for the Lord. And we've got to jettison some cargo. There's a very interesting verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. The Apostle Paul said, time is short and the days are urgent. So those of us who accumulate possessions should use them without becoming absorbed with them or attached to them. It's all right to have some things, but time is short. And these days are perilous, so don't become too attached to anything you have. And it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. James 1.21 says, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word that is planted in you, which can save you. So my question to you, and it's a question to me too, is there anything in your life that would be better off going over the side of the ship? Anything that is hindering your spiritual progress? Is there anything, an attitude or a possession or a relationship that is doing more harm than good? We have to sometimes jettison those things. Could be that you're in a relationship and it's really pulling you down spiritually. And even though you're addicted to that person, it isn't good for you. Maybe you're addicted to some habit, and it's not good for you. Maybe there is some obsession in your mind about a collection you want or whatever it is, but it's distracting you. And there are just some things in your life that you need to prune away. You know, Jesus said the Father prunes the vine so that it becomes fruitful. Any of us who have plants know that occasionally you've got to prune it. And this is what it's talking about here. They had to prune the ship just for their very survival. So is there anything in your heart or life or habits or schedule that ought to be jettisoned for your overall spiritual progress? I don't know, but the Holy Spirit can show you. And when it comes down to it, we deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. The real captain of this ship, as we'll see, is Jesus. He is guiding and piloting. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get Paul to Rome on his terms. He's going to give a story here that we're still reading about and preaching about 2,000 years later. 
He is even going to save every single one of the 276 people on this ship. He is always in control. He's in control of your life. But it helps if you will let him. And if there is anyone here tonight or watching online that has never given him all of your heart, you have yet to receive him as Savior. You're holding on to some other things instead of following him. Then this is a wonderful night to pray. Dear Lord, I give you all there is of me. I surrender everything to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I receive now Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And the Lord wants to come into your life and change your life and become the pilot and the captain and to take you on a voyage for the rest of your days here that will be a tremendous adventure and one day will sail into the heavenly harbor. You got to let him. Is anyone needing Jesus? Then just give him your life and ask him to come in. Now, there are five other principles here that I'm going to deal with tomorrow. And uh, you've got them written down there because the story goes on. And you may want to just read this story. Maybe you can't be here tomorrow. That's all right. But I've given you the lessons and you can read through this passage and you can see how simple it is. But I know the Lord wants to be the pilot of our lives. There is no better pilot, no better captain. He's got the compass, he's got the charts, he's got the map, he knows the winds and the waves, and he can rule over them and get us where we need to be. He can get you where you need to be. And we praise him for that. Jesus, Savior, pilot me over life's tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before me roll, hiding rock and dangerous shoal. Chart and compass come from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. And now may the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good for doing your will, and may you work in us what is pleasing to you through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Recording, engineering, and audio editing is by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and may God be with you until we meet again.